For years, Gina Bow has faithfully served the Lord with the gifts that he's given her. Music ability and a way with words have provided our guest with more than three decades of experience as a singer and songwriter, and more recently, an author. Now, this Nebraskan who lives in Hickman will be sharing hope with us this morning. Gina, welcome to the Morning Conversation. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. So, we'd love to start out just hearing a little bit of your journey, kind of spiritually, how you came to ultimately fall in love with Jesus. So, I grew up in the church and mm. was a faithful attender for all of my life, really. Got involved in Fellowship of Christian Athletes in high school, mm -hmm. and that I would say is where my eyes started to be open to the fact that maybe my faith wasn't really my own. Mm -hmm. And it was mostly through that organization um, in college that my faith really did become my own. Mm -hmm. And I came to know Jesus in a way that I probably didn't know him before. Mm -hmm. I knew of him, but I didn't know him. And so I would say that it was in those really formative years of college that um, things ramped up, I guess, for me with my faith. And it, it really became my own for the first time. So let's talk about music. When and how did you fall in love with music? So I started, you know, I was one of those kids that started piano lessons when they were five years old. Mm. And, um, and I'm now, one of those kids. Was it kicking and screaming? Or did you? Well, yes, but for some reason, <laughs> for some reason, I never quit. I don't know. I mean, I was kicking and screaming a lot. You can ask my mother. But there was something in me that just you know, I, I loved it. I've, I've mm. always been drawn to music. And when I was probably 15 years old, I discovered that I enjoyed writing songs. Mm. And most of those songs were really <laughs> bad love songs. 15-year-old love songs. <laughs> just angsty teenager yeah. drama stuff, you know. And I ended up being a, a music major in college. Mm for a couple of years and then I switched majors. There were all kinds of things that happened in that time. I had surgery on my vocal cords, which was yeah. a huge issue for me and kind of some defining moments there. And is it related to music and my faith and all of that? All through college, I think God was kind of helping me narrow my vision a little bit as to what I wanted to do with music. And I knew that for me, songwriting was going to be a huge part of that. Gina, we've been talking here on My Beach Radio, even this fall, about uh, how hope is vital for life. And uh, you have a statement in, in your book, Hope Deserves an Anthem, which I think is an awesome title for it. Did you say, you know, I thought I knew what it meant to have hope in something, in someone. What I now know in deeper ways is how critical hope is to a person's very existence. So we'd love to hear, how did you come to that realization? I think there have been a few things in the last five years that just life circumstances that have kind of helped me to realize that, man, if you don't have hope, it's just hard to get out of bed in the morning. Mm. I mean, it's hard to put one foot in front of the other. It's hard to navigate life. Mm. I think there were a lot of things in the last five years, but a couple of years ago, God took that realization to a new level when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. It was kind of in that moment, and, and really it was from the first moment of my diagnosis on, mm. when that whole idea of without hope, mm. this would be a really, really, really dark place. Not that there weren't dark moments mm -hmm. anyway, because mm -hmm. there were, there were a lot of them, but there was always hope. And so I just knew that if there was one thing that I could communicate to people, that that would be it. That's a foundational thing for me. And again, 
it's getting up in the morning. It's putting one foot in front of the other. And without that, I, I don't know how you do that. The cool thing about your book, uh, Hope Deserves an Anthem, is it is woven around music as well, right? And a really cool thing is you have this QR code uh, for each, I think, each following each of the chapters. And I tried it out several times. It's super cool. Brings you right to a song connected with that chapter, which is, is super creative. So the first song in the book is the title of the book, Hope Deserves an Anthem. We'd love to hear kind of the heart behind that song? That song was actually written, uh, I believe in 2000. Well, it was written in 2019. Mm. Um, so long before I knew that this book was going to be a thing long before cancer entered my story. Mm. Uh, but it was written with a friend of mine named Joel Lindsay. And Joel is a three time cancer survivor, wow. and currently battling a, a whole lot of health issues. But we wrote that song before the pandemic hit. And then when the pandemic hit, it was like, gosh, I feel like that we need to give this a little broader audience. And so we, we actually produced the song and put out a video and all that kind of stuff. And it really was a challenge to people everywhere to kind of do whatever it is that they do for the sake of putting hope out into the world. Mm. And so that's kind of where that song came from. And then, you know, when cancer entered my story and other things entered my story, that song really became an anthem for me. Mm -hmm. It felt like a really fitting place to start and jump off of with all these other songs and stories. Gina, as I think about hope, we think about hope being something that kind of answers all our problems. Like, oh boy, this big, huge hope breakthrough that makes everything better. <laughs> but uh, you talk about the reality of hope isn't always like that, that sometimes it's far more incremental in its expression in, in our experience. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that insight that you had, because I think it was pretty profound. I think we have this picture of hope, even when we say that word that we picture it as something bright and shiny mm -hmm. and fluorescent tones <laughs> and all this, you know, and, and for me, hope has been quiet and gray hmm. and not what I always expected it to be. I think that's the thing that has been different for me in these last few years is realizing just the definition of the word hope means that we don't, it, it doesn't mean we have answers now and it doesn't mean we have beauty now. It's not an answer. Hmm. <laughs> hope is what keeps us holding on till we get the answer. Hmm. And so- that's good. That isn't always fun. I am by nature a glass half full kind of person. So I'm not like this negative person that's dreary and all that. I've just come to see the beauty in the quietness of hope and the, the smallness of that. Gina, I remember uh, hearing a pastor talk years ago. He said, you know what? Everybody wants to be fast. No one wants to run wind sprints. You know, everyone wants to be strong, but nobody wants to lift weights, right? You know, everyone wants to be godly, but no one wants to be broken. You know, mm -hmm. so you write something similar and kind of a similar thought in your in your book that you knew that God was going to do something in you that you longed for, but you also knew that it was going to require more of you than uh, you'd ever given before. Again, it was early on, even in the first couple of weeks, you know, before. Before, before treatment and before surgeries and 
before things, you know, got hard and painful, there was this level of expectation that I was actually really excited about. Mm. Like, I can't describe that. Like, you shouldn't always, <laughs> if we feel like we shouldn't feel that way when we're given that kind of news. Mm. But there was something in me that was like, I want to view this as a privilege. I want to view this as something that God's going to do something huge. I have no idea what it is. Not that I thought to myself, oh, I asked for this. Like I, I, But this is where the real refining happens. And this is where I really come to terms with, do I believe that God is who he says he is? And if I do, then that it will determine how I respond through this. Mm-hmm. I was excited about it in some mm-hmm. weird way, which sounds so strange, <laughs> but ignorance is bliss too. I mean, I had no clue what was coming <laughs> down the what was coming down the path. Right. I maybe wouldn't have been as excited, but I I just, you know, I just trusted that God was going to mm. do something. I've heard that statement, I'm sure many people have that God never wastes our pain. Simple but profound and true statement, right? That God doesn't waste our pain. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I'm hearing you say that I don't know what's coming, but God's mm-hmm. not going to waste my pain. No, and I had somebody a a, a writer friend reach out to me shortly after I was diagnosed. And he's been kind of a mentor for my whole writing journey. And he contacted me and didn't say much, but he said, I want to challenge you to steward the pain well. Mm. And I knew what he meant by that. Living a writer's life means you take in all of it Mm. and you funnel it through whatever gifting you think you have and you pour it out into the world. And so that's what he was saying. And I knew that God wouldn't waste our pain. I just didn't know if I would steward that pain well. Mm. That's what I have tried to do with this book and this record is to steward the pain well. And there's a lot of things that I write about in the book that have absolutely nothing to do with cancer. Mm. Like I wrote songs out of different pain, but you wouldn't know what that pain is. Pain is universal. Suffering is universal. We all experience it. And I hope that what I've done in stewarding this pain is give people some hope. Gina, one of the songs in your book is called The Story Isn't Mine. So would love to hear kind of what led to the writing of that song. I wrote that song, I would say, during the first week of my diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And I, I just... It was it was trusting God with every step of the journey and thinking, okay, that I, I I would have never chosen for cancer to enter my story, but it did. So so now what? Mm-hmm. And I started writing that song, and it was called My Story. And as I started writing the song, I thought oh, there's something not right about this. And I actually shared it with a couple of friends. I shared the lyric with them, and I was like, there's something wrong with this. And we tried to, you know talk it through together. And then I realized that, you know, my story isn't my story. And if all I do with my life is tell my story, then that's not going to change anybody's life. That's not going to impact anybody. But if my story in some way points to a bigger story and points to the story of Jesus and points to redemption and salvation, then, then my story is worth people hearing. You know, I don't, I don't, want to do the things that I do. I don't want to write and write songs and all that to entertain people. Mm. You know, that's, if that was it, okay, that I, there's nothing wrong with that, but that just wasn't what I felt called to. So 
I just knew that my story had to be connected to a bigger story, which was so much more important than mine. Gina, I'm curious on what you've learned through your journey about chronic pain, right? All of us in life are going to go through acute pain for sure. We're going to twist our ankle. We're going to scrape our elbow. We're going to stub our toe, right? And those shorter windows of things that we just kind of kind of chill out a little bit until that thing goes away. But then there's chronic pain that's going to be some something that you're dealing with that's going to be there every day, staring you in the face mm-hmm. again the next day and the next day and the next day for weeks and, and sometimes years. What, what have you learned about dealing with walking through the reality of that chronicness? I think one of the things that I feel, <laughs> I've told people I feel like I was duped a little bit when I was diagnosed and then kind of told what my path would look like as far as surgeries and treatments and all that kind of stuff. Um, what I didn't know and what they didn't tell me was what I would be left with after hmm. all those things. Hmm. And so, you know, I've I've been through surgeries and I've recovered and I've been through radiation and recovered and chemo and recovered and all that kind of stuff. I wasn't prepared for the marathon <laughs> that I'm now running and which includes some chronic issues. And so I think that for me, this season that I'm in now, I would say in some respects has been the hardest season because that chronic nature of pain or fatigue or whatever, that's the stuff that every day you wake up and you go, okay, I just got to get through this day. Mm -hmm. And so again, that's where I look to the smallness of hope Mm -hmm. and those little things that literally lift your head off the pillow, that help you get out of bed, that help you get out the door and go to work. And it's, um, it is a constant surrendering chronic pain or chronic fatigue or any of that is an opportunity to be in a constant state of surrender. Mm-hmm. I mean, who the challenge in that and the need for the need for hope in all of that is is huge. Gina, you had shared earlier this morning that uh, pretty quickly in your cancer diagnosis, you purposed to uh, process through it and uh, journey through it in writing and in song. And uh, you've done that. What impact has that had on, on your life? How, how has God used your engagement with your pain and suffering in writing and in song? How has he used that in your own life? There have been many moments in the past couple of years whether it's dealing with cancer or dealing with other family stuff or whatever, where I have had conversations with God about, okay, <laughs> I've, I've said for years who I believe you to be. And this is one of those moments where I have to decide, do I really believe that you are who you say you are? And for somebody who's, you know, claimed to be a follower of Jesus for a really long time, I think there are moments when you have to just go, okay, uh, this is where I find out if I believe that or not. Do I believe that you're good? Do I believe that you are sovereign? Do I believe that you are trustworthy? And and if I do really believe those things, then this, it, it will change how I respond in a situation. It will, it will determine my next steps as I try to follow Jesus. And so as I wrote this book and as I 
put these songs together. I think there were so many moments where God and I had those conversations where it's like, okay, this is who you say you are. And this is who I've told people you are. I've written songs about you being this way. And in this moment, I'm not sure that's who you are. And you need to help me. You need to remind me that that's who you are. And those are the kind of honest conversations that I've had with God that, you know, you say you're good and you don't feel very good right now. I'm going to trust that you are. And I'm going to trust that you're going to remind me and show me that you're good. So those are the kind of things that I feel like I learned on the journey. It just helps solidify who I believe God to be and his character and his love for me and how he demonstrates that even when it doesn't feel good. Gina, almost daily, we hear from at least one person in the MyBridge Radio family who's going through a really, really hard time. There are some listening this morning that are in that space. So if you were having coffee with them physically right now, and you had an opportunity just to kind of share your heart with them, what would you say? The first thing I would say is whatever it is you're feeling, it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be sad. That's the first thing I would say is whatever it is that you're feeling, that's okay. Out of that, I feel like it settles a person down to go, okay, now what? So I would say that first of all. And then I would say in today's day and age where we have the ability to access any information or opinion that we want, there is no substitute for the word of God. In your questioning, in your sadness, in your grief, in your joy, whatever it is, I would implore you (laughs) to seek God first. Trust that he will meet you in his word. So that's the first thing. We need to be about the business of talking about how hard this life can be and not be afraid to do that. People come and go in our lives for different reasons. And some of the people that walk into a painful situation with you may not be the people that walk you through it and may not be the people that are walking with you on the other side of it. God's going to bring new people into your life to support you in a certain phase of your journey. And so even as believers, to to not be angry or defensive or sad or whatever about the people that God surrounds us with during those seasons, we're all the walking wounded. (laughs) I have felt that so much in the last couple of years that I It's been overwhelming to me. When people see you walking through a difficult time, they want to share their difficult time with you too. And some days I receive that well, and other days I'm like, I don't have the capacity to hear that right now. (laughs) But it has opened my eyes to the depth of pain that people are going through on a daily basis. And it's overwhelming sometimes. I get that feeling of being overwhelmed. It's okay to feel the weight of this life. And out of that, turn to the one source of hope. And that is Jesus. And that is his word. Gina, before I let you go, I want to talk, at least as we close, about a cool partnership that uh, you formed with the book, with Totes of Hope, which I thought was super, super cool. So talk about Totes of Hope and what's the connection with, with your book? So early on, when I shortly after I was diagnosed and I kind of knew what my treatment plan was going to be, 
Um, a dear friend, Marsha Henning, reached out to me and she's a cancer survivor. And and she reached out and she said, hey, I'm a part of this organization called Totes of Hope. And I was actually somewhat familiar with them. Like I'd seen seen them do things here and there. And and so I, I kind of knew what they did. But she brought over this bag and it was basically a bag of supplies that they give to people who are going through treatment. And so it's everything from lotions to books to um, jewelry. Um, It's all kinds of things that anybody going through treatment can take with them to their treatment experience, whatever that is. And it was such a blessing and so considerate and so, so appropriate for what I needed in that moment. And when you, when you hit that moment, you don't really know what you need. Mm-hmm. So the fact that other people who've gone through treatment, they know what you need and they bring it to your door. It, it was such a blessing. And so I knew that I wanted to partner with an organization that I felt like was doing a lot of good and and bringing hope to people. And that's exactly what they do. And they did it for me. And so for every book that is sold, we are going to donate a book to Totes of Hope so they can include a copy of the book in those totes when they give them to people that are going through treatment. Well, Gina, this has truly been a really special morning. You have been so honest and so vulnerable with us. Thank you so much for what you've been doing to encourage others while you've been going through something so personal and so hard. Thanks for having me.